Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome, everybody, to TNR Shorts, a quick flick from The Next Reel. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Andy Nelson. Hello. Uh, this week marks the launch of Star Wars The Force Awakens. In a legendary understatement, uh, I'm here to report that the film is doing pretty well in the box office. Uh, you know that feeling you get when someone you know, someone you care deeply about, has something happen to them that is so spellbindingly awesome, so earth-shatteringly cool that you just can't help but feel your own life buoyed by their experience? That's the conversation we have for you today. I met D.C. Barnes and J. Trent Adams on the playground of Steele Elementary School 33 years ago this year. 32 years from our first meeting, thanks to a confluence of contests and nerd fate, these two were shipped to London to visit the set of The Force Awakens, to fill a walk-on role in the film, and to represent all of us fans as our ambassadors into the mystery box that is a J.J. Abrams film. Now, we've all seen the film now. Embargoes and NDAs are fully expired, and DC and Trent are here to share their experience on Star Wars The Force Awakens. DC and Trent Adams, welcome to the next reel. Oh, hello. Hello. And thank you for having us, Peter. Uh, there you go. DC, nobody calls, thank you no for call, nobody us. calls me Peter. DC and I are thrilled to be here. 
Dr. Wright. <laughs> That's better. That's better. I uh, So this this thing started out uh, as a result of a, a contest, the Omaze Force for Change contest. And I don't, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this conversation, but I can say that I, I believe I'm the only one of the four of us that did not enter because I thought, what are the odds? I thought, what are the... What co- how could it possibly even enter my orbit uh, that that I would ever stand a chance to win? And here it is. Uh, <laughs> you guys end up there. Is uh, well, it's uh, pretty demeaning. DT, ex- ex- <laughs> explain the story to him. Make him feel bad. Tell me about the three by five cards. So I feel exactly the same way that you do. Nobody wins those things. Um, and I was not entering with that intention. I was interested in the crowdsourcing method that they were using. So in that method, they're like Kickstarter. There are different levels of um, uh, rewards that you get. And one of those was a T-shirt that I thought was awesome, and I wanted to get that. It was a good way to support the concept of what J.J. Abrams was doing vis-a-vis releasing the trailers uh, and that was he kind of locked that into the contest format. The only way they were going to release media was in association with this uh, this foundation. No, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Tell me more. So that's why all of the all of the little Easter eggs that we got in his onset videos that was all that he wouldn't have released anything had it not been for the foundation. Right. Well, he might have, but he he would have found a way to do it. I mean, he was a market. This he was, was a very genius marketing maneuver. Well, that's the truth. The way I understood it is you, you go to the website, you enter to win, but there were other ways to enter. I made a donation of $10. And all I got was this lousy roll in Star Wars The Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't get the t-shirt, by the way. After I won, I made a second donation to Force for Change and UNICEF, mostly because I felt <laughs> like I like it's not it's not nice of me to win this with just a ten dollar donation. Okay, so that was the first part, and then the second part was that I went home and I watched this great movie, uh, Punch Drunk Love. Part of the story is the ca- the main character is obsessed with winning this uh, uh, sweepstakes uh, on pudding. He eventually does win it, and it's kind of a metaphor for his being freed from his mediocre life. I was inspired by that and I went and I read the legalese on the Force for Change website. You have to you have to go through a couple of different layers, but you get to you can enter without donating money as well. The method was you send them a three by five postcard and you have to cram all this information on there. How many total did you did you prepare and, and send? Okay, so I sent out um, it was a few hundred. Wow. Hundreds. A few hundred. Did you do that, Andy? Did you send a few hundred? <laughs> Sadly, no. <laughs> I, and that's why you're doing that's the right. interview tonight. <laughs> I got back in the mail probably a third of that. Because the post office just rejected you. Exactly. And then I also got, and I still have this, a handwritten letter from the postmaster telling me that the postcards <laughs> are unacceptable. <laughs> Uh, to be to be honest, I don't know how many actually made it to Omaze, and and you and they never told you this was the one that got you in. <laughs> we particularly love this template, this With this font, <laughs> this templated postcard that you sent. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I actually asked them that, and they said that they didn't know because they actually yeah. use a third party company that does all the. Um, the raffle part. You got in. They notified you. Now we can we can sort of skip ahead. I will include in this uh, in the the notes here the link to the unveiling video. Now they 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 punked you this beautiful punking where they they set up this whole thing with your work and they a- Ashton Kutcher was there. Well, see now that now you've just lied, right? He wasn't really there. Yeah. Okay. He wasn't right, really there, Ashton but Kutcher, he punked but he, me. But in the spirit of Ashton Kutcher, you were punked in the conference room, and they they brought balloons, and suddenly you win. And uh, get us get us then to uh, to uh, how you you brought Trent uh, in line that night after that video was made. I was pretty exhausted. I felt like I had just come down off a giant caffeine high. And so I was walking around the neighborhood. Uh, I can only imagine. And there's a there's a park nearby, and I was walking through the park, and then I called Trent. And Trent, had you seen had you seen the video by the time he called you? It, it hadn't oh, been released. It hadn't been published. All right, no. go ahead. So so uh, DC, the grandmaster that he is, calls me up and goes, 
So, how free are you to travel? Uh, <laughs> you know, you got you got a passport around. I'm starting to get kind of nervous about the conversation. I don't really because know. Because you know, asking. there are certain That's people it. in your life who you know one day is going to ask you to help you hide a body. Oh, you know, and this is the thing. It's like, uh, how hard is it to you to get out of your your, your family can be okay if you have to leave for an extended period of time without knowing why? That's a truncated <laughs> version of the story. I can only well, imagine. I'm truncating, my friend, because otherwise we're going to be here for four hours. So let's see what we can do about speeding this conversation along. Yeah. So. It at any rate, end of the day, I, I say some vague things about I can travel. I travel for work all the time, and so what a what a what a. He goes, cool. I'm coming over to your house for dinner tomorrow, which is cool. So he shows up at our house for dinner, um, and the conversation kind of keeps going in these weird directions. And one of the things he says to me is, "So, what do you think of J.J. Abrams' reboot of Star Trek?" And of course, I say N- nice things. Nice so, accent. Well, that's you. That's how you <laughs> is that, sound. Is that how, how I sound? Everybody. That's how you sound. Really everyone sound else. That way? Yeah. Yeah, that's how you sound. Everyone in the podcast is going to be listening to this that's, going, oh, yeah, that's, that was a dead-on Didn't on even DC. know that Trent was talking. <laughs> he says, yeah, what do you think about uh, J.J. and Star Trek? And I said, well, you know, it's pretty cool. I liked it a lot. I, li- I thought I liked what we did with it, blah, blah, blah. I said all sorts of complimentary things. He goes, good. Right answer. I'll be right back. <laughs> he disappears. He comes back in, and under his arms are these, these black T-shirts that he hands out to my kids. And says, here, have some Force for Change shirts. At which point, I knew exactly what had happened. And I literally fell on the ground, like staring up at the sky. This was not a figurative literal, by the way. Not like, literally fell on the ground. No, no, no. I literally fell on the ground. He did, literally act- was looking- he did actually fall on the ground. This is, this is the problem. And, which has caused all sorts of marital strife later in my, in my <laughs> life here. Because like, what, what, did you, what were you doing? Why was that so important to you? But whatever. We'll set that off, off to the side and say, <laughs> I was staring up at the sky, uh, stars twinkling around my brain. And it turned out that l- later um, I, I looked through the little rules of the thing. And DC said, let's go. To, I want to take you with me on this trip. And so literally what I heard was, I want to go with you to London. I will then stand there and watch you be in Star Wars. And that was cool enough for me because I was actually a total fan of DC getting this opportunity. And I was just geeked out by just, you of know, course. being around. So then I read the thing later and it said, um, you and a friend get to both be in the the, the movie. <laughs> and at that point, I had a second bout of explosion um, going on in my head. Talked to DC, and he goes, oh, yeah. That's the, you know, oh, you, that's you what the thing that? was. <laughs> that's the whole thing. Yeah, man. I thought it was just going to be fun, to be a friend and, and be cool and whatever, but it turned out to be so much more than that. So, yeah. Now, the coolest part of this next piece of the story is is they never gave us enough information. They never told us what was really going to happen at any given point in time and all of this. So we end up finally sort of getting a hotel reservation kind of done and we get some plane tickets. We're cool to go. We're literally at the airport trying to figure out how we're actually going to get from the hotel to Pinewood. We don't know. So DC pops open his, his, his phone and tosses off an email to the Lucasfilm guys and goes, we're going to meet at the Pinewood studios at nine in the morning um, on Thursday. Okay. See you there. We click send and we board the plane because what we had done is we had gone through the exercise of Google mapping and fi- found out that from our hotel, we could take the Piccadilly line to Uxbridge. And then from Uxbridge, we could actually walk the oh, two yeah, miles you were trying to, to like Pinewood. It. Like you were really oh, on your own. We weren't well, gonna, we didn't yeah. know what yeah. to do. So we were just like, we're not going to rent a car. We're, we're not, not going to like hire a taxi. No, dude, we're going to walk from the, the, the train station <laughs> to Pinewood. <laughs> knock on the door. Hello. <laughs> Hi, yeah, we're extras. Can you let us in? That'd be cool. And so, so at any rate, we land. And by the point, by the time we land, DC opens his, his phone and goes, oh, wait, never mind. They're going to send a car for us. That set up the stage. <laughs> the car picked us up in the morning and dropped us off at our trailer. Wait, wait, wait. At your, you had a trailer. No, DC, trailer. did we or did we not have a trailer? Uh, so the, it went like this. We get off, get out of the, the car. There's a couple of people there to meet us, some very nice Brits. And um, they're like, okay, well, why don't you just take them over to their trailer and we'll go get security. So we were like, trailer? Okay. <laughs> 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 you get a trailer. So they walked us through this um, tornado bait collection of trailers. And uh, there was our our both our names next to the door of this uh production trailer so we went in and we we, we then later find out that you know like uh daisy ridley john boyega's it, judah freelanders uh 
trailers were all in this in this right. same area. Um, some of the people were too cool for this trailer park um, and <laughs> apparently had a really fancy trailer park somewhere else. But these were the crew we were hanging with. Right. And um, yeah, it was really cool. In fact, the last time we got to take any pictures on set, because everyone's always asking, oh, let me yeah. show you the pictures. We're like, yeah, let me show you the exact one picture we have. It is of DC standing in front of his trailer. Because then after we took that picture, the production assistant came over and goes, cameras, please. <laughs> then you lose your phones. For <laughs> the right. That was time. the end. Oh, that, that was it. it. Uh, okay, so you're in... You're at Pinewood. You're in your trailer. Get, walk us through your your experience uh, on the set. And and you know I should add, there's another video we're going to post on there that not just the launch video, but they they did post kind of a, a cool summary video uh, that ended up being wildly touching. I I think I watched it a hundred times myself. It was of your experience kind of getting the tour through the set, but it was way too abbreviated. So you you've got to tell us about the experience of of being on a Star Wars set after all these years of being in front of one. With real things, not just uh, CG stuff everywhere. That's true. Um, I don't know if we saw any uh, blue screen at all. There was a little bit around the edges of the set where they could then expand the sets up, but that was it. Sure. That was it. And it, it also at the ends of corridors. So there were sure. like some 360 sets we were in. There were ends of corridors. There's like a, you turn a corner. Oh, blue screen. Right. Because they're like, oh, I got you the whole thing. You know what? I can thing. only imagine right, right, if you're listening right. to this and wondering about the role itself. And so can we start with the costuming? Because I think if I, if I recall, that's that's sort of the first place you, you went, at least in the video. They walk you in to show you who you're going to be. Actually, yes. They took us straight to uh, costuming and makeup before they gave us a tour. So a- after the costume, we went on tour of various sets. Mm-hmm. In that video, I've got makeup all over my face, uh, which makes me look weird in the in those videos. But yeah, because that's what makes you look weird. <laughs> <laughs> so we go into um, they take us into a big warehouse with temporary walls, and uh, they bring us into a room, and we meet costuming people, designers, designers. Sorry, the costume department. Right. They show us uh, some paintings of our characters, uh, and they're like, "We're gonna." We're going to make you up to look like this. They had done actual paintings of of you guys, you guys who are in the film for not very long. They'd even painted our faces into these. They're like watercolors. Uh, or Did they give those to you? No. And I asked no. for them. I, we wish we That'd had a copy of that. That'd be cool. <laughs> Do you remember what happened when I asked for them, Trent? Other than they laughed? Yeah, I know they laughed. Yeah. They laughed. Yeah. All of At them. At first, they, they, like, they thought... They thought he was kidding. And they're like, oh, that's great. Oh, wait, what? And then they laughed harder. Yeah, they laughed in my face like, no, what are you, are you crazy? No, of course not. Of course not. This costuming went on for a while and then um, in comes an American fellow who we didn't know who it was. No, but, we did. Oh, we did know him. He was very important. Well, later we, we found out who he was. <laughs> At the time, we did not. At the time, we did not. <laughs> But Look, later it's we Michael found Kaplan, yeah. Oscar award-winning uh, costume, you know, designer, costume designer. Right. And right, we're like, right. hi, hi, Mike. <laughs> 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 nice to meet you. Yeah. And then we gave him a hard time constantly. We're like joking I, with him. And he was looking at us I like- I did not give him a hard time. Well, I'm sorry. That's my job. My job is to give people a hard time. I was giving him a hard time. And and he was just looking at me like, what's wrong with you? And then the, and then the, the rest of the costume department, who of course you know know who he is, are looking at us going- Whoa, what are they? <laughs> they were a little, t- they, they seemed a little, they seemed very respectful of him. Well, rightfully so. Literally the last day on set, DC and I uh, flipped up uh, our, our phones and checked up who these cats were that we'd been dealing with all week. Turns out Michael Kaplan, Oscar award winning costume designer for Blade Runner. And we just are, my head. I think it's a, like I think it's a BAFTA blown. award actually. Yeah, it's a BAFTA. Note to self, maybe you check those things uh, yeah. on day one. How about yeah. before we go? Because when I met uh, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega, I didn't know who they were. Oh, I did. Oh, I didn't knew who they were. I didn't. And so Morgan Dameron, who's our handler yep. on set, says, hi, this is Daisy Ridley. She's like, oh, so nice. And I'm like, oh, you're cool. You're in the movie. That's neat. And then John Boyega, <laughs> he, we're having this night grace conversation. And then we're walking away from him. And I say, well, DC, you seem like a really nice guy. He'd be kind of cool. you know." We, and he's like, well, yeah, he's... And he tells he's, me who, yeah, who he is. Those are the, the main... <laughs> characters <laughs> the main characters of the film. i should have brought a star wars fan with me <laughs> too funny yeah so they put us all in these costumes and it took a, a couple hours to do and they made changes and they made notes about their changes my costume stayed pretty much the same as they had designed trent's costume changed drastically actually they uh michael kaplan came in and was like well i think it should be like this and like that and and he basically created a new entire costume right there 
uh, on wow. the spot. Um, wow. It was it was pretty impressive. What what happened next? We went to makeup. Yeah, yeah, we went to makeup. They they messed around with, and that's what you see in the um, in the reveal film. They mess up. Uh, they mess with um, DC's face. And they try to make him look like. Uh, a Harkonnen, <laughs> uh, which was the wrong film genre, but or wrong film uh, franchise. But they did; they tried anyway. They they basically looked at me and said, "Just don't shave for a couple of days," um, and that was the end of that. Oh, so they they made you beard up. I've been wearing this goatee since I was, I think, yeah. twenty eight, um, and all they said was, eh, "Just rough it up a bit." I'm like, so you're saying just look with a like British a British accent? <laughs> that, that's how all British people sound. A bit, would you mind? So, well, yeah. they did put a scar on the side of your face, I remember, oh, but it was but then it was covered goggles, up by you were wearing goggles. Funky yeah. goggles. And you can really see that scar from the 50 feet away from the camera we right. are for the exact 28 <laughs> frames when right. we're on. Okay, so you are it. just just please just set the stage for where people can see you uh before we move on to the next scene. This is This is in Maza's uh temple, right? You guys ended up in that scene in the as bar patrons. Right? Right. right bar patron we actually got a tour of that set first and it was empty it was just the room and they hadn't put hadn't dressed it yet well, it wasn't really empty because there were some patrons already there but they they were just kind of slumped over like this there were some animatronic uh characters but they hadn't they had all the all the camera gear wasn't mm-hmm. in there when we were when we were toured around that's the scene right when um thinking back when han solo and uh, Ray and Finn come into the castle. They go through the doors, and then and he's like, "Don't stare at mm-hmm. anything." And then there's kind of this montage of what's going on inside the castle. That's where we are. Were you guys sitting at? A, were you guys what, sitting at the same table? Right, just the two of you, or what were you guys doing? So we shot uh, some background stuff of just a standing, and then there was another scene that they shot that got cut out of the movie. And that scene was we we're standing around a, like a maybe a five by five table, um, us and a bunch of aliens and other human humanoid type people, and we're gambling on a some kind of uh, game that we didn't see because they were going to add it in later. <laughs> yeah, we were asking them the rules. We're like, okay, so we're supposed to be betting on this. What are the rules? And standing next to us as one of the other extras was the like puppet master of this whole scene and he goes well we haven't figured that out yet so just make it look good so the extras <laughs> literally the extras got together and we all said okay well what are we going to do and how are we going to bet and so we kind of came up with these rules of betting on the fly which by the way one of the one of the guys who who was in the vanity fair uh, f- uh photo um uh, of this cast of characters looks like baron vladimir harkonnen um he just kept winning it didn't matter what, what we did; he would always win, and he just—he decided well, he was always going to win. So it was like, we didn't—we right. didn't know that he—we didn't know how to play the game. And then after a round, which meant that they said cut, he would declare, "Oh, I won that round," <laughs> and we'd be like, "What? What do you mean you won?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I won. Just wait till the next round, which means when they call action again." And then he'll win again. Extras, yeah, man. No, and extras. These, 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 were, these were the professional extras, and it was it was really hilarious when we were when we were filming this the set or filming the scenes because it was very obvious they knew what they were doing. So as an example, when you see the scene, uh, fifty seven minutes in, right, you're in the castle, and and, and there's a, a pan across the room, and there's this giant fire pit in the middle. Not kidding, giant fire pit, real fire, giant, yeah. very hot, and we're wearing basically these really elaborate carpets wrapped around us that look really cool uh they know they're not cool they're very hot but they look they, very hot and they're um so hot. uh incredibly and we should get back to talking about that at some point the costumes they were so incredibly detailed and, and immaculate and fit so well i've never worn clothes that fit that well literally anyway we're standing there in this giant room huge fire and it's hot as you can possibly imagine. We're boiling, literally boiling. And, and we're standing right next yeah, to and, it. Yeah, I mean, sweat's pouring so, off of us, and I have these goggles right. on. I can't see anything, and they're steaming up, and I'm, like, about to fall over. And we notice after every time they, they call cut, the real extras <laughs> just kind of disappear. And they all, we, don't, they we all, don't know where they went. And we're standing there, they all, like, oh, what are we doing? Oh, it's so hot. And then we look over, and at some point, DC goes, wait a minute. They're all huddled in that corner. Over there. Right. There was a corner where they had pumped in an air conditioning ah. unit. 
for the extras and nobody told you no they didn't tell us i mean why would they you know they're just oh no two things they didn't tell us about so number one is they didn't tell us about that and so when dc finally figured out i was like aha look cold then the second thing they didn't tell us about was what to do the 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 production assistant brought us onto set so we we get all kitted up we've got our costume wrangler and our costume wranglers following us around and making sure that everything's exactly the way it should be all the time and he's kind of like fussing about us and the PA, assist, uh, the PA says, okay, stand here in this middle of the scene. Actually, it was, why don't you stand oh, in this yeah, area? Stand right, stand right now. Exactly. Just, just eh, why don't you stand like, here? Okay. <laughs> and, and then they left. <laughs> so she walks, she walks off. And, and so, so DC like, and I are like talking to each other, like, do, 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 do. And the next thing we hear is action. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, undoubtedly, if that take exists anywhere, it's, it's, there's two extras standing there looking, staring at each other like, and like complete idiots. <laughs> yeah. This was also the scene, obviously, with uh, Lupita Nyong'o, um, who was pretty dramatically cut from what I've read. I would say that everything that we saw, which included Lupita and Harrison and and uh, Ray and Finn, <laughs> Daisy Ridley and John Boyega, um, and everything we saw in Maz's, Maz's castle, probably only 20% of it ended up on the screen. So there was okay. a lot that was shot. Um, with and without Lupita, um, a lot of stuff. I mean, there's so much in that yeah. scene, and they did they did multiple takes of coverage of everything. So whoever's got the archive on that footage was there. And and I don't want you to don't uh, spoil anything if you're still under NDA. But is there anything <laughs> in what you saw that would uh, that would impact the way we perceive the story? It, may, it would have changed. It would have changed some of the thematic beats. Yeah, I'd say yes. Yeah, there's something that happens a little ahead. In, in some of the scenes we saw that didn't make it onto film. And, and that may have played into why they okay. were cut. It didn't fit the beat that they wanted okay. to hit. Interesting. Yeah, it might have it might have been too early of a reveal mm-hmm. for the plot. Yeah, it'd be, it would be interesting to see on the deleted scene, though, to see that whole piece come together. Because we saw a pretty, we saw two really elaborate pieces that didn't make it. Um, one was kind of a, a fun joke piece um, that we were a part of. And then another was... Uh, kind of an interesting story thematic piece that was reasonably complicated, at least complicated enough that they had to rehearse it, you know, with, with some prop masters uh, for about a day, day and a half. Like an action sequence? No, not that. Yeah. It was, it was was a bit that wasn't just a couple of guys talking, (laughs) you know, I don't want you to risk your position in episode eight. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned the costumes are are particularly elaborate. Uh, Tell us more about that. They were surprisingly elaborate. What I had expected was that they were going to throw some rags on us, some robes, and say, okay, stand here in the background. You know? I thought we might still be able to see your TK421 t-shirt logo like under your robes. Oh, no, no. <laughs> you thought it had been, but, been uh, like those uh, Planet of the Ape costumes where you, you, were the, <laughs> you were the apes with just the really cheap masks in the back that right. didn't actually... Right, right. That's what I kind of thought. That's, I honestly thought that, but that wasn't the case at all. You know, They went to 11 on these costumes. They designed these things... Specifically for us, A. Um, B, they tailored them exactly to our specifications. But they were so detailed. I mean, and this was true about the whole, our, our whole experience on set. Everything was detailed to the nth degree. And knowing that it will never be seen. Just know, if you know it'll never be seen on screen. But yet at the same time, everyone went all the way to, to the, most, the highest detail they possibly could. And so our costumes, same thing. You never see more than you know, I don't know, the, the top third of us. And there was a full kit under this with full, uh, the outfit goes all the way to inner tunics. I mean, inner tunics, outer tunics, everything. Ha- and by the way, everything has got our names stitched and embroidered into them. Wow. So they're, they're, they're essentially yeah. ours. Um, you know, they've got our names embroidered into them all the way to the gloves and, and the boots and the, the, the pants and the, the shirts, the under tunic, the outer tunic. Our names are in them. And they're in a Lucasfilm archive somewhere. Wow. Because again, as yeah. we were walking out the door, we're like, well, hey, could we have these? And they said, yeah, no. <laughs> and then we got this image in our heads of Indiana Jones, uh, you know, uh, Raiders Lost the Ark, vault. the final scene. No, that's where, we, you know, they're in the Lucasfilm, you know, warehouse. And um, at some point or another in this whole exercise, they scurry us away into this room where they laser scan us and uh, take these photographs of us in a whole you know a 350 degree uh, camera studio um to preserve the costumes to do two things one is is if they ever need to recreate them they have these really high resolution 
media captures mm-hmm. of them. And then secondarily, they stood us on a turntable and spun us while this laser was shooting at us so that they could create digital files. So they've got a digital file that they could, if they wanted to, ship to their friends down at Hasbro if they would want to make the three-pack <laughs> of bar patrons. Which would be perfectly okay, right. why us? Which, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, I mean, fans... Fans eat up every toy that gets out there. So, uh. did you have character names beyond like bar patron? This is a actually really interesting story. So we we do the costumes and the makeup, and they take us to the um, around to the different uh, locations, and then uh, to an actual set where they're shooting, which is in that video. You see us, you see the stormtroopers and J.J. Abrams, and in that video. And then as we're leaving, we meet this uh, gentleman um, named Andrew Jack. And he's the dialect coach for um, the characters. Uh, as you know, John Boyega has an American accent in but the movie. But he's very British. Uh, he's, ac- yeah. he's actually a Brit. Yeah, he's a Brit. Um, so we strike up a conversation with this guy. And he's a super fascinating uh, person. The next day we were at lunch, I think. And he comes up to us and starts talking to us again. And we're like, the short story is we make friends with this guy. And uh, he is also actually a character in the movie. He's uh, one of the resistance commanders. Isn't he the, isn't he um, the one who says, wait. He says, it's, a, it's another Death Star. <laughs> That's his line. That, that guy with the white, white hair. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. And then he was totally shut down and said, shut up. This one's so much bigger. <laughs> let's, show you, let's show what you just said next to what really is, and then you see what you think. <laughs> right, right, right. Basically. Then, and that was the accent That's right. That you. So, yeah, That's good, exactly good, good job, <laughs> Right. We finished shooting our background stuff and then they were going to shoot the gambling scene so they had taken us back to get our makeup touched up because it had basically melted off us standing next to that fire and andrew jack comes up to me and he says uh would you be comfortable saying a line for this next scene and i was like i'll do whatever you want you know i am in your hands this is the time when somebody says would you like a line in star wars (laughs) you say yes Yes. So I said, yes, absolutely. I'll do whatever you say. And he's like, okay, uh, I think we can come up with something. He goes away and he comes back and he has this line written in this alien language that he just came up with. And I don't know if it was him or J.J. Abrams or someone else who instigated this, but... I, Lord, Lord's Kasdan, he was hanging on set. So there's Yeah, he was there too. That was, an, that was a nice drop too. Yeah, you know. I, you know. I was like, okay, I'll <laughs> say this. And it's a, a an alien line and it goes, uh, Rai... Katakoyo Rai. And I'm supposed to snarl it at the camera because of some action. So then we go and we shoot that scene and then the Star Wars adventure ends and we come home back to Denver. And um, I get this email. I think it was from you, Pete, who said you'd looked at IMDb. And so I looked on IMDb and there was my name in the Star Wars credits, and they had my character name was Katakoyo, which is the line that Andrew Jack had asked me to say in the movie. So I was like, oh, wow, I get a, I get a character name. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's rock bottom awesome. So then some time goes on, and then just the other day after the press, uh, press screening, the real credits came out, and they had changed it to Bar yeah. Patron. So I, I got demoted from having a character name. And to did they misspell patron. your name in the credits? Uh, yeah, they, they did. But that's, a, that, I mean, who's going to quibble over that? No, Who cares? No, I, right. was, I already have an attorney on the phone. I think we're going to do a little litigation to try and get that, <laughs> some remuneration for that extra E. So much for the NDA. So that's how that name came and went. <laughs> and went. Um, but at least you can always say that you right. own that. Katakoyo. Katakoyo, right. Andrew Jack had written this thing out on a little piece of scrap paper. For me to rem- you know memorize my lines, uh, so I still have that. This is this was your entree. D- were you were you directed at this point by JJ himself? Yes. What was what? Tell us what. Tell us a little bit about that experience about about meeting and working with him. He has a really interesting way of directing the real actors. Uh, for us, it was just very simple and basic. Like I want you to do this, stand here. You know, you're gambling. You know. Et cetera, et cetera. It was very straightforward. But he did have a very um, interesting way of directing the other actors, the, the, the real actors. Um, we watched a scene 
with John Boyega and Daisy Ridley. And they were, the camera was on one of them. Uh, you know how they did a shot and then a reverse shot. So it was on one of them and it was a subtle scene and he would go up and he would make, uh, he would give notes to the actor that was not on camera. Uh, uh, so the person who was on camera could then react to, you know, the other person. So um, it wasn't, which I thought, well, that's really clever. If, you know, if acting is reacting, et cetera, then he can change somebody's performance by changing the way that they're, who they're reacting to. Hmm. So I thought that was, that was just one, I'm sure he's got a million tricks up his sleeve, but that was one thing that I found particularly well, interesting. I, and I thought one of the interesting tricks was, um, when we saw him uh, directing Harrison Ford. And so he and Harrison Ford were talking about one of their, one of their, um, you know, one of his lines and Ford goes, well, all right, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And so, the, you know, uh, JJ goes back, they call um, action, they shoot the scene and Harrison Ford d- performs the line totally differently than what they just talked about. <laughs> and nothing. And so they, JJ lets it play out and then he calls cut and he goes back up, you know, up to talk to Harrison Ford and he's very calm and, you know, he's very, he's like, well, you know, that's great. You know, it's really good to play with it. But all right, let's try going back to kind of this other idea. Let's see if you can go back. All right, all right, I've got it. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to try that. All right, we got it. So he goes back, cuts, you know, calls action. Ford does it the way he wants to do it again. <laughs> this happens three times, and after the third time, uh, Abrams just looks at the uh, cinematographer and just kind of shrugs. It's like, I guess we got what we got. <laughs> so the other way, the other way he likes to deal with it apparently is, yeah, when Harrison Ford does his his lines, that's what you get. That's, yeah, that's that, what you're gonna that's get. What you're gonna get. But uh, you know, and I think that J.J. Abrams is intelligent enough to know who knows Han Solo better than Harrison Ford. So Harrison Ford wants to do it the way well, Han Solo does. Well, you know, he did, uh, he did sort of seal the deal for uh, old Harrison uh, in this film anyway. What Now, was that because of Harrison Ford wanting to do that? Or? No, I think it was because he couldn't take direction. That's my theory. <laughs> it's just like, um, that's it. I'm you know, sorry. you're, you're going to be the hero of all three films. <laughs> you but... were, but you really don't do what I tell you. So. We've, got this, we've got this Jar Jar Binks guy's <laughs> oh, phone number. Uh, oh, okay, two, two oh, more. Oh, man. Bring in the Jar Jar. Well, you guys were on set with uh, with Lupita Nyong'o, as you already mentioned. Um, but I think it's interesting, her character, and speaking of Jar Jar Binks and going back to kind of the prequels, CG characters, her character, mm-hmm. uh, at least from my eyes watching the film, is like one of the, the primary CG characters in the film, definitely in that bar. At least that's how she definitely appears. I mean, how was that character of how Maz on set? And was she, was Lupita there? Was she, you know, marked up with all the little bubbles and everything to do the motion capture and yeah she was that's not a cgi character it's a mocap character so um it's it was actually made uh, done with two two actors lapita did the face and probably the the neck and shoulders and then they had a little person who did the body uh her name was uh Artie shaw mm-hmm. uh, and um so they would shoot this was kind of interesting they would shoot the scene with uh, Lapita and the and Harrison and um, uh, Daisy and John, and then they would reshoot the exact same scene uh, with Artie, uh, uh, being the the bottom half of that character. Yeah, Lupita is not exactly the size of Maz. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. And actually, Artie isn't either. Our, our, um, that character is um, considerably smaller than than even uh, Artie. Yeah, and the way. In fact, that was the interesting thing that they did. So. Um, you know, Pete, you asked earlier whether or not there was a lot of uh, green screen or blue screen work, and you know, the 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 set we were primarily in, um, the uh, Maz's castle set, it was a three sixty set. Um, there was no green screening other than than kind of at, at corridor ends, um, so that they could have freedom of movement. And when we were in there, the uh, the ability for the camera to move and do whatever it was, 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 was essentially untethered except for then there were a couple of shots which they had to, you know, 
do these tracking shots on um, to ensure that they were capturing it right. And one, you know, one of the things they had to be really careful was with the, was the uh, Lupita's character, was the Ma's character. And uh, Artie was wearing this suit, and we got to talk to her quite a bit about, well, you know, what's on the suit. And, and she's, it turns out she's actually a stand-in for quite a few characters, and, and I can't remember uh, the, the, the long list of them, but she would say, oh, yeah, well, I was this, and I was this, and, you know, um, so she's got it down. In fact, she was um, the, uh, the uh, raccoon in... Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. No kidding. Whatever this, whatever this character is. Um, and so we talked to her about how she was able to do that because she's actually not the same size. And so it turns out that the, that the outfit she wears is tuned with these stripes and these, these special patterns to indicate for the cameras what needs to be done. And so, and so one of the things that one of the um, guys told us was, yeah, there's going to be some CGI in this, but rather than um, adding stuff in, they're going to do a lot of extraction and removing things out. So some of the characters, which by the way, they, they described a set to uh, a scene to us that um, I don't think made it into the set where they, they dress up animals um, and have them uh, running around in set. And they had to have a, a, geese. a geese. That's what it was. And they had to have the, right. a, a guy shepherding and herding these geese <laughs> through this kind of, to, to perform this kind of action. Um, and then they, and he's wearing a, uh, you know, a blue suit or something, and so that they could pull him out of the scene, and it yet still, sure. you know, have these these dressed right. up geese running around, practical geese. Um, so this kind of thing, and one of the things I was joking about the other day is that the sets were so detailed, you know, everything in there is just so where it needs to be. But it was kind of a messy set. It was kind of a, and so we sat down at one point. We were waiting for something to happen. We sat down on the chairs that were there. So there's chairs. You sit down on them, um, and I started looking at the <laughs> stuff that was just kind of like laying around, and. Yeah, you can't move that stuff. That stuff is all glued down. <laughs> it is not moving. Yeah. <laughs> so it was actually kind of cool. Number one is so detailed and incredibly, uh, you know, highly complex stuff. Oh yeah, and you can't, you you know, can't pick it up, which I'm sure was a good thing that we couldn't. Well, pick especially those up, because but. you were there, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, but the one last thing that I think would be interesting for, yes. for your fan, your fans to know about <laughs> Listeners, the sets. Trent, yeah. I have no yeah. idea if they no, like your us. fans, dude. They're, they're they your listen. Fans. I mean, come on. They're very <laughs> gracious with their time. All three of them. Toler- all three of them <laughs> come back every week. They are so tolerant at best. Uh, I, I'm a there I'm a listener. So, listener. So the two other fans you have will be interested in this because this one already knows. Um, so when we, when we were wandering around in the Millennium Falcon, as you do. Um, we were sitting down in, in, in the chairs and, and DC looks over and kind of starts looking at this, at this bubble wrap on there. And it's like, well, what's this? We're talking to Morgan Dammer and the woman who's kind of, uh, uh, shepherding us around and says, oh, well, you know, those are the seatbelts in the Millennium Falcon. So the couple of takeaways here, number one is, by the way, this, the Millennium Falcon has seatbelts. <laughs> So there's never do that. That's new. (laughs) So there's that. Secondly, they're so concerned about your safety in the Millennium Falcon that the seatbelts have bubble wrap. They bubble wrap you down. And so we were talking to them about this. Like, why? Why do these seatbelts have bubble wrap on them? And, And and she's like, well, you know what? We really don't know. But we made the detail of the Millennium Falcon recreation so close to the original because they had bubble wrap on the seatbelts in the original Millennium Falcon set. We haven't. Wow. We don't know why, yeah. but we're making it Go so back complete. To Can the you... Blu-rays. Go back to the Blu-rays and watch as Ben Kenobi puts his seatbelt on. You'll see that there's a stripe of That's, bubble wrap on uh, it. Can you can you talk about your experience just briefly walking onto the Millennium Falcon for the first time? Both of you. It's I'm you. It feels like you had a, a religious experience, <laughs> and luckily you had an EMT with you. I, I, I did I have did. to resuscitate him. There's there's a there's a brief yeah. like blackout that? of the of the video. Like? I had to like resuscitate him. So I did, as you saw in that video, I didn't make it up the ramp. Um, it was um, really overpowering, and I I know that sounds stupid and childish, but to see that set in that detail and that level of realism after, you know, decades of watching it on, you know, video was, uh, it was a really overwhelming. And I actually, they cut some of that, that out. I actually walked completely out of the set and just had a sit down for about 30 seconds and then came back up. Cause you know, the, the Lucasfilm uh, documentary crew was there and they were filming me the whole time. So I didn't want to look, you know, like they had to like push my tears back and and get my breath and like regain my composure. Um, but I'll tell you what it was like. It was like being punched in the stomach. It was like all the air went out of my lungs. And so I I retreated. It's amazing. <laughs> so but, cool. Uh, yeah. Amazing is. Uh, uh, yeah, it certainly was. 
How many days were you guys on set? So we were scheduled to be there for three days. We were supposed to be, there for, we weasel... we supposed to be there for two. We were supposed to be there for costume fitting one, on day one and, and studio tour. And the second day, we were supposed to go and shoot our scenes. That's the way it was designed. Right. Two days on set. However, we weaseled our way into five total. <laughs> five. So Nice. So... Um, was it like, uh, we, well, you know, we, we were in the background of that scene. Shouldn't, for continuity, shouldn't we stay here? <laughs> yeah, be, weasel is probably the wrong word. We were, <laughs> we were invited to stay longer, I guess. Uh, part of it was one day we were just, we, we spent a good time just sitting there watching them shoot. And Morgan came up to us and was like, are you guys okay just sitting here? And we were like, yeah, absolutely. You know, this is our dream come true. And she's like, okay, well, you guys have been like, completely like non-disruptive so i'm just gonna leave and do this other tour right now um but you guys just hang out here and we're like oh okay uh thanks and she's like yeah um if you guys want to come back the next day or whatever that's great too and we're like okay absolutely absolutely (laughs) well Well, and by the way and by the way who do you have to go give a tour to she's like oh benedict cumberbatch (laughs) and then she walks away (laughs) <laughs> and we were like, huh? So then we're sitting there 20 minutes later. In walks Morgan and in walks Benedict Cumberbatch. Just she was given the same tour. Well, but I think what's interesting is that, you know, day one when we were on set, um, Morgan and company were really just on top of us. They're like, right, you know, this is what we're doing. Next day, we kind of, the way it worked was J.J. Abrams actually was confused and he thought we were supposed to be back on set the next day. And so he said, oh, hey, you know, we'll see you tomorrow. And he walks off. And of course, we turned to 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 um, Morgan. We're like, "Hey, JJ said we'll see you tomorrow. So we'll see you <laughs> right. tomorrow." And she was like, "Okay, fine. We'll send a car for you." And so the next day, she, you know, she's leaving us alone a little bit more. She's just checking in, making sure that we're not a bunch of doofuses, and we're like running around talking to ben- Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> and so, you know, we're not. Um, and then, you know, uh, it turns out we had to come back for costume fitting, uh, you know, on a third day. And we said, "Hey, can we just hang out the rest of the day?" They're like, "Yeah, fine." And they're starting to get used to us by this yeah. point, such that they just kind of. Would look around every yeah. half an hour, forty-five minutes, to make sure we were still make there. Make sure you were there. Um, and then that was it. And then this after is that, where good like, behavior <laughs> really pays off. Now. Final story. Can you tell us about meeting Harrison Ford for the first time? So, he, first of all, he's really nice guy. He's um, um, super laid back, calm. Uh, I was gonna swear there, but he's cool as you know, fill in the blank. So when we first met him, we were um, it was outside. Uh, the castle set uh, that's been destroyed and they get into a gun battle at that point. Um, so they were prepping for this and it was muddy and it was raining and it's, you know, it's, it's England. So it's raining. You're outside. You're right? in, in Pinewood um, or where you were outside. It was an exterior set. Yeah. This is on the okay. back lot of Pinewood and it's outdoors and there's uh, trees okay. all, all around us. And then the castle set, destroyed castle set. We're standing there and uh, Trent nudges me. So I look to my side and there goes Harrison Ford right by us. Full Han Solo outfit, walking through oh, the mud. Uh, I would have been laid out. I would have passed out. He's there. He's just wandering around waiting for the, for the movie to start uh, shooting and just eating an ice cream. Bowl ice cream uh, in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes over and he finishes his ice cream and then we meet J.J. Abrams and we talk to him for a little bit. And then he introduces us. J.J. introduces you to. Right, right, to him. And, and uh, he was, um, he, I thought he was very nice and polite. And obviously he knew that we were some kind of tour he knew he knew we were some kind of like tour because of the bad robot hats we had <laughs> that which were we brand new. We to- uh, hey, we were told to wear them, and then we find out later. By the way, that's the giant signal to everybody else on the set that we're right. important. Ooh, so I, right. somehow he knew. <laughs> nice. JJ said, "Oh, these are the Omaze winners, and they're gonna be in Maz's castle scene." Actually, he didn't use that word. He said uh, "Hall of Mirrors" scene because that hmm. was the Popo uh, code word. And uh, he says, oh, so they're not just dead stormtroopers then. (laughs) (laughs) And and we're like, yeah. So that was cool. So he was very nice to us. And then uh, do you want to tell him about the boots, Trent? So, yeah. So that's DC's version of. He was very nice to me. And I I thought he was very nice to DC because DC was. 
polite. You know, polite and quiet and calm and collected. Whereas I looked over at him and I said, hmm, well, it's good that you got the memo and that you, you're wearing wellies <laughs> because it was really muddy there. And we had not gotten a, the memo and we had shown up in boots, in our shoes that were just totally covered in mud, like destroyed. And we're- It was like we're, a- ankle Yeah, we're sloshing mud. through this mud. And Harrison Ford, of course, is wearing these these boots that are just perfectly fine for handle, you know, walking around in the mud. And so I look at him, I'm like, oh, you got the memo. You're wearing your wellies. He looks at me with a steely grin and goes, they're not wellies. They're just boots. <laughs> and he walks off. Like, well, you're cranky. I mean, come on. I was, you know, that, that being said, I, you know, I, apparently that. I was watching this whole happen, and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> of course, it's hilarious that, that Harrison Ford's giving me a hard time, which which yeah. seems to have played itself out because the roles were reversed. Because <laughs> yeah, because no one ever gives me a hard time. That's right. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, yeah. This is uh, this is the role of a lifetime, guys. Have your lives changed? I mean, now that the paparazzi are calling you and uh, uh, your local papers, and you're the biggest uh, celebrity media mogul who's called. <laughs> I'll us. take it. I will take that. <laughs> Uh, this is uh, this has been a real treat. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us and, and share the story. DC Barnes, Trent Adams. Absolutely. Anytime. Very exciting. All right. So episode eight, you hanging out with Mark Hamill. I want to hear the story <laughs> then too. I think I think we should have another episode of this podcast when the uh, Blu-rays come out and we can do some still framing. Uh, count on it. Let's do so it. There you go. Pull it apart. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, uh, Andy, on behalf of Andy Nelson, DC Barnes, Trent Adams, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time on the next reel. Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grand's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. Thenextreel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals and get your next read today. Mm-hmm.